The anonymous landlord is more than just making profit from property. It's a system of automation and a strategy which will shape the way you invest in property forever. It's a quality of life, it's a way of life. It's a business mindset. The anonymous landlord will make loads of money from property and continue to grow wealth and assets without giving up time or energy or life. Because what's the point in making a load of money from property if you've got no time or energy to enjoy it? My name's Tom Sone, and this is The Anonymous Landlord. Hi, this is Tom Sone, and welcome to another episode of The Anonymous Landlord. And today, I'm going to discuss whether you should borrow and buy a property now, or whether you should save up your money and buy a property later because everyone's different. Some people prefer to save up their money and use that savings or use those savings to buy property or invest. Other people prefer to borrow money so that they can get a property under their belt and start investing now. So I'm gonna give you some options on how you can borrow, how you can save up your money for property, because there are different ways to save up your money that are much better than just putting some money in a savings account. I'll go through some pros and cons, some options for you for both, like I say, about borrowing money and saving money. But really, we're going to look through how and where to borrow money, saving up your own cash, how to save up your own cash, how to combine saving and borrowing efficiently, because that's the key word there, and what money you actually need, and when you actually need your money if you're going to invest in property. So starting off with how and where to borrow money, it's, you know, there's loads of different options for you. I mean, you can take a buy-to-let mortgage, a bridging loan, friends and family, you can borrow money from them. You can do joint ventures, you can do crowdfunding, you can get private investors or angel investors, whichever you want, or equity investors uh, to support you in your property investment. And by the way, we're focusing all of this on property investing, right? You could even do a combination of the two, or or sorry, a combination of the lot. For an example, if you uh, take a bridging loan for 75% of the purchase, and then you, I don't know, get some private investment for the remaining stuff. So the the rest of the 25% plus the refurbishment costs and so on. You could combine the two. Joint venture and friends and family. You could do a joint venture with another investor or another developer and borrow a bit of money from your friends and family if you can do it that way. Or buy to let and a private investor, whatever. There's loads of different ways that you can combine different borrowing facilities, if you like, or strategies into achieving your goals. And you know what, you could, for an example, right, you might have um, a £100,000 property that you're going to buy, and it's going to cost you another twenty-five grand in refurbishments and legal fees and stamp duty and all of those wonderful things that we love paying. So you could borrow the £75,000 from a bridging loan or a buy-to-let mortgage, for an example, and then there may well be some joint venture partners that will join you for the the remaining amount. And I think a lot of people maybe misinterpret that they need all of the money to borrow. They need to borrow all the money from, uh, I don't know, or, or they need to provide all the money. And if you do a joint venture in that same property, you buy a property for £100,000 
and you're going to then have to spend £25,000 on refurbishing and costs and so on. Really, what you need is 50 grand cash because you're going to buy a property for 100 grand. You're going to use a mortgage to get you 75% of that. And then you're going to need the remaining 50 grand to deposit, refurb, stamp duty, legal fees, buying fees, auction fees, surveyor's costs, and so on and so on and so on. So you use the mortgage for the purchase, 75% of that. And then you do a joint venture, 25 grand each of cash with a joint venture partner. Simple. Look, what I'm trying to get at is if there's enough profit in a property deal, then it's okay. You, you can borrow the money and pay interest to the mortgage lender. You can borrow some more money and pay interest to a private investor as long as there's enough money in the deal. Or... So that's if you borrow money or you can save up your own cash. Yuck! I don't like it. Look, I'm very pro borrowing as long as you borrow correctly and smartly and as long as you work it out. So I'm very pro that. Um, but if you do want to, if you know, if you want to save up your own cash so that you can save money on uh, borrowing, interest rates, arrangement fees, admin fees, all of those types of things, that's your intention. Uh, what's this? Ryan Luke, rent and make loads of cash. Yeah, go on, mate. <laughs> so you could be that person that you want to save your interest rate, save your borrowing costs and so on. But are you really saving? What are you actually losing if you save up your own money? And I'll tell you what you're losing in a second. But do you know what? We're raised as human beings, right? In this country, especially, we're raised so that we can go and get a job, pay our taxes, save up our money for retirement, earn low interest rates on those savings, right? Because you don't get much interest paid to you in your savings account or in your pension. And we do all of that so that we've got enough money for retirement, right? That's why we do it. We, we work, we pay our tax so that we put money in the pot to be able to get pensions and keep our savings when we retire. All of that is optimal, absolute optimized income and return for the government or for our economy. It generates the optimal amount of money for our economy. If you go to school, get a job, pay your taxes, save up your money, save up your pension, earn no interest on it. And then when you retire, there it goes. So that's why we're all here. That's why the government invests so heavily in education. And that's why the education system is the way it is, because that's teaching us to go and get jobs and pay the most tax possible back into the economy so that we can uh, continue to fund the country. Right. I'm not arguing with that. I think that's a standard system. It's just a business at the end of the day. And by the way, if you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, then you'll know exactly what I mean. If you haven't read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you definitely need to read that. Anyway, so if you save up your money in the normal way, let's say £1,000 a month, you're going to save up £1,000 a month so that you can invest in property, right? From your regular income, from your job or whatever it is. So in month one, you save £1,000. In month two, you've got £2,000. And in month three, you've got £3,000 and so on and so on and so on. That's what you think. I'm going to put an, a different perspective on that. Because if you did borrow money to buy a property right now, 
then you could be earning, for an example, £400 a month in rent profit. And that's the same as whether you buy a property that's a good property investment deal and you own it and you get the rent profit or you do rent to rent deals or you do rent to service accommodation deals or whatever. You could be making, let's just say, £400 a month in pure profit every single month. So I would now put to you, if you're going to save £1,000 a month, you are sacrificing £400 a month profit. So really what you're saving is month one, £1,000. Month two, £1,600 is now in your bank because you've lost £400 a month potential profit. Month three is £2,200 because each month you're just continuously losing £400 that you could have had in your pocket. All right, bit far-fetched, but you get what I mean, I hope. It's what I'm saying is that if you, by saving up your money to save yourself a few grand in interest and borrowing costs, you're actually losing profit that you could have had in your bank right now. So really, are you saving anything? I would argue no. But hey, I said earlier on, I am very pro borrowing, using other people's money so that everybody wins. I don't mean that in a detrimental way. You can you can borrow money very legitimately. That's why it's such a huge industry. You borrow money from institution one and you make a profit, they make a profit. Everybody's happy. You borrow money from institution one and person one. You make profit, they make profit, they make profit. Everybody's happy. As long as everybody wins in these deals, then you can make money, you can save money. It's as simple as that. I hate saving, personally. Absolutely hate it. Not only do I then have to wait for a period of time before I can make a, a, a significant investment, but I'm also losing that, I'm, I'm missing out on that thousand pound a month that I'm putting somewhere else, right? I want the return now. I want the the, uh, the profit now. And who's with me on that? I'd be interested to find out what everybody thinks about that. You know, you, you save up all your money and you miss out on that money that you're saving all that time that you're saving it up when you could be putting it to use and increasing your income straight away right now. I know, I'll leave that to you. You know what? Like I said at the beginning, everybody's different. Some people are much more comfortable just saving up their money, doing it that way. Um, so, you know, I also just think it is a comfort zone. It's preference for everybody, isn't it? And really, I would never save up loads of money to try and save interest and borrowing costs. I don't think that works for me, but other people might be. But seeing as we're talking about saving up your own cash, how do you save up your own cash? There are other ways to save up your cash than chucking it into a uh, savings account and just sitting there watching it generate you 0.0000001% on your money. It's just nothing. It's just sitting there actually costing you money, like I said earlier. So a couple of things that you could do. Let's say you're going to save up money for 12 months. Um, you could use that money that you were going to save in your savings account and you could go to a crowdfunding platform and invest in crowdfunding. Now, crowdfunding is quite simply where you as a person just log into their system like uh, Crowdcube or oh, there's loads of crowd. Just Google search crowdfunding. It's really easy. Um, and you'll see loads of projects that are going on that people require investment in. And there are even property ones where you could invest a thousand quid and you might get 10% back. Nice. And 
If you continually do that and you continually make 10% on your money, it compounds and compounds and compounds and compounds and gets more and more and more and more and more. So that by the end of that 12 months, when you are ready to invest in a property, you haven't just saved up £1,000 per month. You've actually saved up £1,000 a month. So you've got your 12 grand, but you've also got the return that you've generated in addition. And it's the same amount of money you're putting in. It's the same £1,000 a month over and over and over again, month in, month out. Now, still, I disagree with this. Still, I do believe that any savings you have, you should invest rather than save. Um, saving costs money. Investing makes money if you're smart with it. Um, you could also invest in shares. I mean, there are there are funds that will pay more than your savings account will pay. So you could just put your money into those funds and they'll just return you a steady income. Um, or not steady income, sorry, a steady growth in your money. There are companies that you can invest in for the same thing. Uh, but all I'm trying to say is that you can make a better return on your saving, on the money that you're saving, you can make a better return than your savings account. Your savings account really makes you nothing. And it grows nothing. It doesn't grow. It just sits there with your cash, soaking up the, um, I guess, soak, soaking up the, the, the saving you're trying to make by reducing the profits that you could have made. And it's exactly what your bank is doing. You're putting your money in that savings account and what they're doing is taking your money and investing it, making loads of money and giving you 0.0001% of it. So there's another thing you can do. You can do smaller flips with your money. If you've got less money, you can do smaller flips. Now, I'm not talking about houses. Flips can relate to anything. You could buy a car. You could buy a car for five grand. You could have a friend or a mechanic or someone like that do it up for you and you could sell it for 10. It's a small flip. I heard a podcast the other day where they're talking about BMW E46 is a really good investment car because you buy it, you do it up, you sell it. It's a flip, same thing. Watches, watches are the same. Now, I'm not so big into the watches myself, I'd like to be, but you can buy a watch. If you're going to save up some money, you could buy a watch. You could maybe clean it up, get it professionally um, detailed, I guess you would call it, and then sell it for a profit. Either way, what I'm trying to say is there's more you can do with your savings, the money you're going to save, than just throwing it into the savings account and watching it do nothing. But by the way, I am not a financial advisor. Absolutely not. All I'm telling you is what I would do or have done. So get some advice from a financial advisor if that would make you better, or all of those sorts of advisors that are qualified to give advice, right? I am not that person. And hopefully you all know that anyway. But lastly, I was gonna to talk to you about, or second to lastly, I was gonna to talk to you about how you can combine saving money and borrowing efficiently. That's the word of the day, isn't it? Efficient, if you're gonna borrow money to invest, it's gotta be efficient. So if you are dead set on saving up your own money so that you can save as much as you can on costs of borrowing, cost of this, cost of that, then you could consider the both where you save up your own money to a point and then borrow the rest. And try to remember that if you're buying a property, you don't need all of the money on day one. When you complete that property purchase, you don't need all the money. When you make the offer, you don't need all the money. You could argue that you need to show proof of funds. Okay, that's something different. It's a different problem to tackle. But uh, actually, what you do need is when you make that offer, 
You don't need any cash. That's a free thing to do. So at some point over the next three months or four months at the moment, say some point over the next four months from the, from the moment you make an offer to the time that you complete the purchase, that's when you're going to start needing little bits. So you'll probably have to put some money over to the lawyer or to the solicitor conveyancer. But that's only going to be a couple of hundred quid. You might need to pay for a surveyor. That's only going to be 500 quid. You might need to pay some money for indemnity insurances. That's only going to be 100 quid. So you don't need all that money on day one. So when you complete the property, you need your deposit that you transfer across to the lawyer. You need uh, your legal fees and your stamp duty. And a couple, you know, there are maybe some other things that you could include in that. But that's all you need on the day that you complete that purchase if you're borrowing money. Same way if you're paying for the property in cash, then you need the purchase price, you need your stamp duty, you need your legal fees, you need your other fees that are payable on completion. But that's all you need. You don't need your refurbishment money just yet. Just that's, that's later because you own the property now. So you own the property, you've spent that money, that money's in that property now. All of that cash is transferred from your savings into that property doing nothing, right? Fine. That's okay, because at the moment you've got this asset. And then you need to pay for the refurbishment costs after that. So your, your refurbishment costs, let's say you're going to spend 15 grand on refurbishment and it's going to take three months to do that refurbishment. I'm being generous there. You should actually only really be paying five grand a month for that refurbishment. Don't pay that whole amount up front. Whoa, no. And there are probably loads of investors that will watch this and remember a time that they've paid uh, a contractor or a building firm or something like that up front and then the builder's done a runner or, you know, gone out of business or something like that. There's a load of investors that will say that. So just a quick tip, digressing slightly, don't pay the contractor all the money up front. You pay them as the job is being done. And they should provide you with a schedule of works which will show you the time frame for each individual component of the refurbishment. And you pay for that as you go. I personally, I split refurbishment jobs into four quarters. I sign off each quarter and release the next money. I sign off the quarter, I release the next money. And I don't pay the final amount of money until I see all of that work is done. Simple. It's just protecting yourself. So that's when you need the money. And then don't forget all of all throughout that time, if you're borrowing money, you'll have to make your mortgage payments, which is all your, your borrowing payments or your accumulating interest. If you're borrowing money from a private investor, you don't need that money on a month by month basis. You just pay them at the end. Um, and then when you go to sell the property, Again, you might need to put a little bit of money on the on the conveyancing or the, the solicitor. But really, as the seller, you don't need money until completion. And that's when you need to take into account your selling fee, your cost of borrowing that you might have to repay, all of those things. So that's the cash that you need when you actually need it. I hope all of that made sense. A lot of information to try and cram into 20 minutes. I'm trying to limit this to 20 minutes. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm on 18 minutes and 50 seconds. So I'm doing all right. So what do you guys think? How you how do you guys prefer to invest? Do you prefer saving up your money? Do you prefer borrowing money? What I would always say, if you're going to borrow money, then make sure there's profit in the deal. Make sure there's profit in that property to enable you to borrow the money and still make profit. That's the key. And I think that's what a lot of people think. 
you might automatically think oh, it's going to cost me a lot of money to borrow that cash to buy that property. And there might not be enough property, uh, sorry, enough profit in that deal to cover the cost of that borrowing. So when you're calculating your investment, make sure you're working it all out based on this is how much it's going to cost me to buy the property, including tax, including borrowing cost, including all of those things. And this is how much profit I'm going to make from it. But I'd be really interested to find out what you guys think about borrowing. So do message me email me, whatever it is. But until then, my name's Tom Sohn. And as always, this is The Anonymous Landlord. Thank you for joining me. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. But before you go to the next episode, I really want to hear from you. Just search Tom Sohn on any social media or just email me tom at pinkstreet.co.uk. I'd love to know your thoughts on this episode. And if you need any help with your own situation, just get in touch. I'll answer every email and every message I promise. Anyway, see you in the next podcast. And remember, being a landlord is hard. Being an anonymous landlord is easy. Invest, enjoy, repeat and grow.